Will Alex Smith and Eric Weddle make the College Football Hall of Fame? And will Utah finish the season 4-0? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. If this is your first time joining our show. Make sure you guys like and subscribe. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments or on social media. My personal handle is at JT Wistersill, or our show handle is at Locked On Utes. And we do appreciate all of you subscribed. We recently just crossed 1,100 subscribers. So if you guys are new, continue to hit that like and subscribe button. And for those of you who continue to come back, we greatly appreciate you here at Locked On Utes. On today's show, we're going to be talking about how Utah will do in their final four games of the season and then talk about if they got a shot to make the Pac-12 championship game again this season. But first, we have to start with some Hall of Fame news that revolves two of the greatest Utah football players of all time, as Alex Smith and Eric Weddle were both on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot once again, these two guys are two of the best to ever come through Utah, as I mentioned, and they were among 78 players and nine coaches from the FBS and 101 players and 32 coaches from the division ranks that total to get named. The ballot was sent by to by more than 12,000 national football. I forgot what the last F means, actually, as I'm saying this out loud. This is all available on the Utah Athletics uh, website. But once again, just a Hall of Fame class, and the class is usually announced uh, later on, I believe in just January is when they usually announce who the find who the finalists are going to be but it's a great i mean it's a great honor to be named to this list just a couple of the guys named to this list include the likes of michael vick larry fitzgerald and terrell sucks which i know a lot of you longtime youth fans remember how good terrell sucks was uh back at or actually i guess utah wasn't even the pac 12 then of course but like it Pac terrell sucks back in the day was an absolute was absolutely wild um back at arizona state so i'm glad he's on that list and larry fitzgerald what he did at Pitt, michael vick was obviously sensational in college too so a lot of worthy candidates there and speaking of worthy candidates that's exactly what these two guys are from utah so answering the questions, should they be in the College Football Hall of Fame? It's absolutely. Let's talk about Alex Smith first, right? Look, this is a guy who went first overall, had a long NFL career too. We talked about with the 49ers for a little bit, what he did with the Chiefs and Washington late in his career overall, but long NFL career. But first, for what he did in college too, he earned he earned first-team All-American honors in 2004. He finished his career at Utah with 5,203 passing yards with 47 touchdowns along with 1,072 rushing yards and 15 rushing scores too. He was two-time All-Mountain West Conference selection earning the mountain west conference offensive player of the year and national player of the year by sports illustrated award in 2004 both these guys helped utah their first ever perfect season that was back in 2004 in which utah would go on to reach and win the fiesta bowl that season to one of the great eras or just great seasons too we've ever seen from a utah program it would have been possible without alex smith's contributions and once again, to me, Smith is absolutely a Hall of Famer when you look at what he did. The numbers pop, the accuracy, what he was able to do as a decision maker leading this team and this offense overall was so much fun and spectacular to watch back then. And I think he absolutely deserves to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. As for why he didn't make it last year, look, it's a crowded ballot. I mean, I just named some of the guys, right? And that list I went through didn't even name. Randy Moss is also eligible for this, who tore it up at Marshall back in the day. Like it is very hard to pick only a select few players and coaches when there are so many great players who came through and made an impact on the game. So that's why I think when you look why Alex Smith didn't make it last year, or if he does miss out on this year, it's because of who some of the other guys are. But 
I do think, think he belongs in this year's group, especially when you look at what he did at Utah that season. And I hope he does squeeze in. I think he deserves the spot. But as I mentioned, he is not the only one either because when you're talking about Eric Weddle too, you're talking about a guy who wrapped up his career at Utah with 277 tackles. That included 165 solo stops. He had 10 sacks, 22 and a half tackles for loss, which is insane. And look, safeties make plays in the front seven, but I mean, 22 and a half tackles for loss is just mind boggling, honestly. Um, he forced nine fumbles overall, six fumble recoveries, two of which he turned for a touchdown. He had 18 interceptions, three of them he returned those he returned for a touchdown, also 23 pass breakups. And that was back in there. I look too, where obviously they weren't throwing the ball as much. It was still part of the game, but it's become a lot different now. I think if he had played today, you would have seen a lot of those pass breakup numbers go up. But by comparison, the tackles for the loss probably go down. So um, and look, what was fantastic back in the day. So I think he played at a perfect time too. Although him and Alex Smith are both the type of players, you know, no matter what era of football. You put them in. There's only a certain number of guys you can say this about, right? Like they would dominate no matter the era, no matter the rules. It's a big thing when we debate NBA talent and players all time, right? It's like, well, how would these guys do if they played back when Bill Russell played? Like there's just a selection of guys who are like, well, they would still be great no matter when they played. And I still, and I believe that to be true for the college game for Eric Weddle and Alex Smith. And honestly, both of them at the NFL level too, when you talk about the success they had um, up there too. He held the Mountain West record in interceptions with 18 and still ranked second all time with that 18 interceptions by a youth. He was the Mountain West Conference defensive player of the year in 2005 and six and also earned first team all mountain west conference in those years to become a four-time all-conference selection he was a consensus all-american in 2006 also earning freshman all-american by the football writers association of america in 2003 and crazy too when you look at what a look he had a 14 year career overall and we mentioned smith and the incredible career he had to um very very long time to 16 year career i was looking kind of trying to find the number right there. Cause I thought it was, I couldn't remember if it was a 15 or 16, but just incredible stuff there. Um, but overall by Wettel and Smith respectively. And as I mentioned, when you talk about both these guys, I think they both absolutely belong in the college football of fame and I mentioned it's a loaded group and a loaded selection. But when you look at what both these players meant to the team, I mean, just, I mean, one thing that's cool when you just talk about like Utah, right. It's like, for those of you who were at like any game last year that those guys showed up at, I think it was one for Alex Smith. And also one for Eric Weddle as my dog Thor continues to make a cameo. I know those of you listening on podcast don't matter, but I feel like when he's walked in front of the camera four times at this point, I think he's just begging for a mention. <laughs> so, um, but first going back, like the crowd just roars every time those guys walk in. It's because of what they did back in the day. It's awesome. Whenever we see uh, Weddle has joined the post-game coverage of, or just pre-game and post-game coverage of some Pac-12 networks um, games a little bit overall for whenever they're on site in Utah or just for the Pac-12 championship game. I think he was also involved. And then as for Smith, he's a guy too. He's working with Monday night, uh, countdown. Now he's doing some ESPN stuff, but he's a guy, whenever he comes back, everyone gets excited, obviously, because what he did, it's just, it's not easy to step up and win in those big time situations and big time moments. And the one thing I always respect about greatness too, is the ability to not just do it once, but to do it over and over again. Like, Anyone can get, not anyone, but a lot of college football players have a couple tackles for losses, right? There's even a lot of college football players where it just clicks for them in that season, right? Like things go their way. I, I think back to a Vic Beasley for the Atlanta Falcons. I know this is NFL to college, but Vic Beasley one year had like 22 sacks. It just all clicks for him. It worked out perfectly well. And, you know, after that, I don't even think he got, I don't know if he even got above 10 sacks in a season, like, or and maybe 22 was high. Maybe it was more like. In fact, 22 would be the NFL sack record, so that was very high. So let's bring that down a little bit. I think it was like 16 or 17, but it was some outlandish number, and then surely that kind of plummeted down over time, and that's just because it's hard to keep up and sustain greatness, basically. And that's what Weddle and Smith were able to do at their Utah careers. They were also able to do it in the NFL. And as I mentioned, I know the College Football Fame is extremely competitive, and getting two guys in in the same season would be tough. But even if it's not this year, I hope at least one of them gets in 
whether it's Weddle or Smith, I think eventually both these guys will find their way in the College Football Hall of Fame, and they absolutely belong on the ballot, and I do believe they belong in the awards as long with all the other great players to come through college football that we've seen. And because I, I think in order to especially tell like Utah is still a strong program. When you talk about the history of college football, it's not one of the most essential ones, obviously, but still done some special things beating Alabama back then, all the other things they've done not in West Converse. They've been a huge part of the evolution of the game. Now back to back Pac-12 champions. When you're trying to tell the story of Utah football, I don't think you can exclude what Alex Smith and Eric Weddle did and what they were part of with those teams. Like without them, those wins don't happen. Those perfect seasons don't happen. So that's where to me, I think absolutely both these guys deserve to be in that award, in that hall of fame grouping. And I hope they're able to make it. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Just like it's going to be interesting to see how Utah will finish the season. We're predicting how they do in their final four games in a moment. But first I want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Guys, I love FanDuel because they run great promotions every day. It's a safe, secure app. You can get paid instantly on their winnings, and there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. We got a series officially. Series is one and one right now. What a performance we saw last night. Or excuse me, by the time recording this, it's Monday. So what a performance we saw on Sunday night by the Miami Heat. Looked like the Nuggets were going to pull away, but he found a way, right? Jokic was incredible, but... Right at Miami, it was Struis rolling early, then Vincent, Duncan Robinson, and Jimmy Butler when it's closing time, as always. So who do you guys think is going to play well in Miami? Do you think it will be the Heat, and they'll take a 2-1 series lead? Is Jimmy going to have a dominant game? Hasn't been shooting it like he normally does. Is Jokic going to have another incredible performance? Will Michael Porter bounce back? That feels likely to me after we only had five points in the last game. Jamal Murray, I think, will be a lot better, too. So make sure you guys head over to FanDuel and bet on that. And just a reminder, you can visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat-first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All righty, looking back in at our schedule review, basically, we've been predicting how Utah would do. We started with their first couple of games of the season. We've done eight games so far. I have Utah seven and one through this stretch. I know a number of you have been communicating with me in the comments, too, about saying how unrealistic that is. But I just think when you break it down on a game to game basis, I don't think it's that crazy. I, I don't think it would be. I wouldn't fall out of my seat either if Utah's eight no going into that. I also wouldn't fall out of my seat if Utah had four losses at that point because I think their schedule is that tough. Injuries play into things. Um, so, and once again, just the teams they have to play. I mean, playing USC, Oregon, um, or Oregon State too, of course, and then Baylor, even Florida Open season. Like all of those are potential losses, right? And there's other upsets and things that could get factored in. But I think seven and one is realistic when you look at how much returning talent this team has and the way the schedule breaks out for them. I mean, if you're saying which one would I rather go to, would I rather go play Eugene, go to Eugene and play Oregon, or would I rather go out back out to the Coliseum and play USC? I'd rather go on the road and take on USC than in that environment the Ducks are going to have because it's going to be a far superior atmosphere there. We saw how poorly Cam performed up in Oregon last year, probably his worst game, and then one of his best games in his first season as a starter was when he went up to USC. That was kind of his first dominant game. So that's where I kind of sit out for the re reasons I listed yesterday. But either way, I have Utah 7-1 and one going into this stretch right now. And the first game that would start off that stretch is then they go and take on Arizona State. They do get the Sun Devils at home in this one. And look, this is an Arizona team that was 3-9 and nine last year. They were 2-7 and seven in Pac-12 play. And of course, made a head coaching change. Herm Edwards was out. I don't even believe, yeah, he didn't finish the season. And uh, instead, they brought in Kenny Dillingham, who is the former offensive coordinator in Oregon. And I think he's a really good hire, but this is just one of those ones that it just takes time to turn around a program, right? Like, look, there'll probably be Drew Payne, the Notre Dame backup, who then turned into the starter last year for the Irish, I think. At least that's how I think it went. But um, 
I remember he played games for Notre Dame last year, at least either way um, for Notre Dame. And now I mentioned coming over to join Arizona state. Look, he's good. They also could be talented freshmen like Jaden Rashada, who has all the potential in the world, but is still only a freshman, right? So that's where it's hard, but they do have a lot of holes on both sides of the ball. Still, anytime you have a new head coach, it takes a couple of years in to get rolling, unless you're the head coach, the caliber of Lincoln Riley, and you're bringing this recruits and talents and all those kind of things. And that was also, it worked out well for Lincoln that he had someone in Caleb Williams that had some playing experience and flash that special potential, then was able to step over right away and be special so quickly. So I do think that's part of the thing that just bears mentioning as well. And remembering is how that kind of everything kind of changed around because they were able to get Caleb Williams. So it, I just don't expect the same kind of turnaround for Arizona state. So yes, I expect Utah to um, host, they will be hosting Arizona State. I don't see how the Sun Devils are going to be this Utah team's first home loss that they've had in, gosh, what would it be since 2018, as I usually say, true home loss since the last one came during the COVID year, but no fans, that's kind of the home point of a home field advantage. So once again, I don't see Arizona State doing it. Then Utah's a really tough game. They got to go up to Washington, and you got Michael Penix is back. This is a guy that led the nation in passing yards last year per game. He had 4,641 yards and 13 touchdowns. Uh, Kalen DeBoer and his, will be going into his third season now with the team, um, and they took a big step forward in 2022 under him. They were 11-2 overall, and especially their offense. I mean, when you just talk about this Washington team, they had the second-best offense in college football, only behind what Tennessee did, but they did have the top passing attack, and they beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl. With The Alamo Bowl for Texas is basically a home game for Texas. All of you Utah fans who made the trip out or just remember watching it, remember it was very much prominently Texas fans in attendance for that one, so that's one where I look at like this and I'm just like, man, that's a, that's impressive stuff for them. They got two elite receivers coming back in Rome, Odens and Jalen McMillan. The defense should be solid too. And they could be a top five unit in the pac 12 on the defensive side of the ball. They might have the top offense. I mean, they, they did last year, right? I think there's a chance that USC could overtake them just because of Caleb Williams and how special those guys are, but I could absolutely see Washington have it too. Either way, there'll be one or two. So this one to me, I, I think will be a loss for Utah. I think when you're going up there, I think especially if they have the momentum, they would be 8-1 and one at this point in the season. I expect Washington to be highly ranked, too. Game day could be at this game. I mean, this could be an unbelievable matchup, potentially, because this is a matchup between two of what very well could be two of the 10 best, maybe even five best teams in college football. That may seem crazy, but once again, look at the talent on both sides and what they have going on. So, yeah, I, I think this will be a loss for Utah. I just think it's really hard to go up to Washington. I know they were able to do it last time when uh, we had Tyler Huntley going up there, taking on Jacob Easton, but I do think Penix is a little bit of a more mobile quarterback. This is a Washington defense that rushes the quarterback well. They could have some success getting after Cam. I said the defense is pretty good, but just the explosiveness of the offense. I think this is a game they'll, Utah will miss Clark Phillips a little bit, and I think Penix is going to have himself a day. So I do think Utah keeps it close, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see them lose this game by maybe 10 because I, I genuinely think Washington is that good. And look, if I wasn't picking, um, or spoiler alert eventually, but I mean, guys, look at the background and the name of the show, right? Like I feel good about this Utah team, obviously not just because I am a Utah fan myself. If I wasn't picking Utah to win the Pac-12, or I'll even just say this, Utah could very well see Washington in the Pac-12 championship game because I think when you look at Washington and everything they have, I think they have all the tools to be potentially the Pac-12's most complete team when you look at how their offense and defense works. Oregon could very well be that team too. I'm not going to say complete for USC because I still don't think the defense is going to be there. Utah could could be the Pac-12's most complete team too, but I feel like Washington's got maybe the best shot to do that too with Oregon and Utah close second and third to me. So I do see that as a loss when Utah's to go out and play at Washington. Then their final road game of the season, Utah will be taking on Jed Fish and the Arizona Wildcats when they go out to Arizona. And this is a game too when you're looking at it that 
this is an Arizona team, excuse me, that they just won four more games last year than they did in 2021. So they are on that like steady increase and they did upset UCLA last year. So they're a team that's capable of getting the big loss, right? When you talk about with Jaden Delora, this offense is extremely explosive. They have multiple elite pass catching options, three guys in particular with two elite receivers and a tight end that I really like. They'll be hard to stop, but they're also going to have a hard time stopping anyone. Last year, their defense allowed 422 yards and 36.5 points per game. So this is one to me where I really like what Coach Fish and the Wildcats are actually building just as a Pac-12 football fan. But I don't think Utah, especially if they lose to Washington, I think they'll come back home, lock in, and then be ready to go out to Arizona, and they'll be eager to hit someone, basically. And I think they're going to be able to punch the Wildcats in the mouth, and I do expect Utah to win this game on the road because I still think they'll have a chance to be in the thick of things as the Pac-12 season winds down with one loss because with how competitive the Pac-12 is, and we're going to talk about this a lot on tomorrow's show, um, I just expect a lot of teams to have multiple losses in Pac-12 play. We've talked about in the past the Pac-12 kind of cannibalizing itself. That could really happen this year with how many great teams there are in this conference. I mean, we've seen how many quarterbacks are returning of high-caliber talent. How many of these teams are picked to be in the top 15 or top 25 of preseason rankings or just we feel like could finish there at the end of the season because so many of these teams won over eight and a half and nine games and nine games last year, just over eight and nine games last season. So that's one to me where I think this one could be interesting just because Jaden Delore and if Utah is kind of sleeping a little bit or – um, bummed out because they did lose last week to Washington. They could get upset here, but I just don't, Kyle Whittingham's teams don't do that, right? So that's where I'm not going to pick them to go and lose to Arizona. I think they take care of business. I think they lock in. I think they get a win against Jed Fish and the Arizona Wildcats. So that brings us to our final game of the season, and then it'll be our final home game. or final game of the regular season because based on how many wins I do have Utah t- taken, they are going to a bowl game, obviously, but either way. So for this, will Utah's final home game, they will welcome in Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. And I think this is a fascinating game because there is no coach under more hype right now. Not under more pressure, but I just think it's more hyped and people are more excited to see than Deion Sanders. He's just box office everything that he brings as a, as a player back in the day to now as a coach and everything he says, keeping it honest, keeping it real, the social media access, unlike anything we've seen. But look, this is a team that only went one and 11 last year. So I do think at this point, things will have come off the rails and this team will have only won, gosh, maybe three, four games. I mean, it's hard. I know a lot of people are high on them. It's like some people have seen six and six. Like I just, I can't do that. I know they've had a lot of roster turnover, but it just takes time for a roster to come together to click like that. And especially look, I like Shador Sanders. I think he's a good quarterback and I think he will be a very good college quarterback given time but I'm not going to predict him to break out in his first year in the Pac-12 going against some strong defenses with some of the best college football quarterbacks in the co- in the country he's going against just in his same conference. So I like Shador, but I think he'll experience some growing pains. But I will say he could be playing his best football late in the season, like by the time he comes to Rice-Ackle Stadium. And I think Shador will experience those growing pains just because it is, it is a step up naturally from where he used to be playing at um, overall. And then... Look, when you're talking about this Colorado team, too, they've got some nice outside weapons, but the O-line could be really up and down. That could be a problem when you're coming up to Sac Lake City, as we know, too. And look, this is a defense that gave up 44.5 points per game. So I just don't see – this is another one where I'm not like, okay, if Utah's going to lose a home game, I don't see it being Colorado. Now, they could upset Utah, like we talked about in Arizona, ending their season with that big upset against UCLA late in the year. That could be Colorado if Utah is not careful – and does sleep on the buffs, but Deion Sanders and this group have painted a huge target on their back to me. I think everyone's going to like beating up on him, and there will be too much at stake for Utah for them to not go into this game and take care of business. So I do believe Utah will get a win against Colorado. So they will finish the season three and one overall, 
That'll take their record to 10 and two as I have it in the regular season. Would love to hear what you guys think Utah's record is going to be. I'm sure you opposing fans, a couple of them will get in the comments too and tell me how wrong I am for saying Utah will beat their team as always is the case. But I uh, would love to hear from you guys what you, what you're feeling that Utah's record is going to be in the regular season, at least as it pertains to right now. My, my list is fluid. Like I'm not locking this in. I'm going to change before this. I want to see here. We hear in camp hype, see how the next couple months plays out. Guys leave programs sometimes and transfer additions still yet to be finalized and added like cam rising health updates, Brant Keithy health updates, all those things matter. And those guys will be playing late in the season, but definitely affects the start of the season. So I have Utah 10 and two in the regular season right now. That is subject to change. I do not want to get played in a bunch. Of, eh, you know what? I really don't care, honestly. So a bunch of people do pay me in clips about me sleeping on their teams or just saying Utah will beat them or how off I was on Utah if they don't win enough. I really don't care. I just think right now when you look at the talent on this team, when you're talking about Cam Rising, when you're talking about an offensive line that returns three starters, even if I am concerned a little bit there, I just think Cam, with his ability to evade sacks and buy time, I don't think that's as much of an issue. Brant Keithy coming back, one of the best tight ends in Utah football history. Jaquindon Jackson's going to break out. I think Devon Vele's in for another huge season and a defense that returns eight of 11 starters last season and so many guys who played major roles and contributions. When you talk about Sione Baki on the verge of really breaking out, I think, there, and I could go on and on. Like I feel like with Kyle Whittingham, the best coach in the Pac-12 and one of the best coaches in college football. I feel very good about this Utah team and don't feel bad right now saying 10 and two at all. Cause I think that's definitely on the table. And when you go 10 and two, you're going to have an opportunity. And especially when you only lose two games in Pac-12 play, just like Utah did last year, they still had a position to find themselves in where they could make the Pac-12 championship game. So my question then becomes, do they have an opportunity to make the Pac-12 championship game at, with two losses in Pac-12 play again? I will say yes, because I think the league is going to beat itself up. We're going to see a lot of things happen. And I think two losses in conference play isn't going to look that bad. I think the head-to-heads against USC and Oregon are going to be huge. And if I had to predict the Pac-12 championship game right now, I would say it would be Washington against Utah. And I think it's hard to beat a good team twice. I've been saying that for a while, although Utah's made me look bad on that last two years in a row because they've gone and beat two good teams twice in that Oregon team and USC team. I know there's some debate about how good those teams were, obviously, with how they performed in their bowl games and just how they looked late in the season anyways. But I do think Utah would be able to beat Washington in a Pac-12 championship game. I'd probably predict them too. Do I feel amazing about that? No, I just listed all the reasons a little earlier. I feel like Washington is one of the most complete teams in college football, and they could have a chance to go to the playoff, honestly. So that's where I just feel like some of those head-to-head wins against Oregon, and USC especially could be huge for this Utah team because I think some of those other teams are going to have multiple losses too, and they're going to get beat up on each other because everyone plays a difficult conference schedule because the Pac-12 is as strong as it's been in a long time to me with all the returning talented quarterbacks and some of the talented transfers that have coming in. It's going to be a great season of Pac-12 football, and I think Utah has the potential to three-peat as Pac-12 champions. I really do. I'm sure that's going to be something we talk about a lot until the season gets underway, and it'll obviously change a lot once the season does start, depending on how those wins and losses come in but there's a utah team that lost their season opener seemed like the doom and gloom at the time and then early on last season all the expectations were can they make the college football playoff utah couldn't do that i have them with two losses so they wouldn't make the college football playoff under the four team scenario but if they were able to three-peat they'd find themselves back in the rose bowl and then if they were able to win the conference obviously in 2024 then they would be in the college football playoff under that new format we're going to see. So really exciting times for this Utah team. I am going 10 and two and winning a third Pac-12 championship game. If I had to predict it right now, as we sit here on June 5th, which I'm recording this on a Monday, you guys will get it on a Tuesday. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Let me know what you think in the comments. That is going to do it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow talking more recruiting news, anything else that pops up for Utah football as well. So we will see you then on Locked On.